Once again, free thinkers, and welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Now, I know you all can't see me because this is an audio podcast, but for about the past week, I've had a smile plastered on my face the size of Texas. And the reason I've had this smile on my face was because I knew this week we were going to have a very special guest joining us. Our special guest this week is light worker, researcher, activist, and philosopher Mark Passio. Now, Mark's volume of work is truly enormous. It extends two decades and covers so many important topics. And I also shouldn't fail to mention that Mark was a huge influence shaping my own understanding on subjects like natural law, rights, occultism, and I have long believed that Mark's work is probably some of the most important to align with truth and understand what is not only going on inside of us, but in the world around us. And that's exactly why Mark named his website What on Earth is Happening, which is a wonderful resource to check out more of Mark's work. But for now, soak in the philosophical gold that Mark shared with us in this powerful interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Passio. All right, free thinkers, this is a big moment here for the Free Thought Project podcast. We are here with the one and only Mr. Mark Passio. Now, Mark, I don't really know where to start, but I guess first and foremost, I should say thank you for coming on the show with us today. Oh, absolutely. A pleasure to be here. You've been an instrumental figure in so many of our awakenings in the the Truth Liberty movement, mine included, and you have a vast well of knowledge to draw from on so many topics. So I'm hoping to talk about a few things today, including some cultural topics, uh, such as like the trans movement. Uh, Of course, one of the things that you speak about the most with your work is natural law. So hopefully we'll be getting into that a bit. Sure. And uh, maybe even discuss some solutions because obviously that's important. But uh, first, I just wanted to get your take as someone who's been in the truth freedom movement for decades now. Uh, mm-hmm. Over the past few years, you know, we saw a surgence of a medical freedom movement that kind of grew from the pandemic policies. And it was a pretty formidable force that seemed to wake a lot of people up. And then, you know, of course, before that, we saw the MAGA movement, which, you know, I'm sure we have mixed feelings about. And I know many of those people got sucked into the Q narrative. And of course, right, you know, many of them worshipped a political figure being Trump and probably never thought twice about authoritarianism. But some also used that catalyst to open their minds. And some have actually become full libertarian anarchists since. So I guess the question is, with these two recent waves of mostly freedom-minded folks, 
do you feel like we've made progress in the right direction? Do you feel like we're on the right track? Do you sense any momentum? And I know you're not one to sugarcoat things. So, you know, where is your barometer on this? Well, I have to be honest, and uh, a lot of people will not like this take, but uh, I do not really feel like we're making uh, any real substantial positive headway in the understanding of the real underlying causal factors of what drives tyranny and what drives the uh, condition of human slavery, which is the human condition. It is a condition of covert slavery. It is not completely overt yet, but it is certainly moving in that direction. And the alleged freedom movement, uh, you know, I, I always say we don't have a real freedom movement, unfortunately, because what we need for a real f- freedom movement are there has to be requirements that are met. There are requirements for real freedom. And that involves the understanding of the underlying causal factors of why we're in this situation to begin with. And the problem that I see in the freedom movement is that most people have not yet identified those underlying causal factors. They are still hacking away at the leaves and uh, branches of the tree of evil, mm. and they're not striking at the root. Yes. And they have to grow in philosophical understanding of what creates conditions. They don't yet have a firm understanding of the occult principles, the hidden underlying causes of why we are generating continually the situation that we are generating as a species, as humanity. And the problem is that people always want to externalize power. They want to look for an external solution to the problem. And they don't really identify the lack of a true understanding of the difference between right and wrong behavior, what is objective morality as the thing that really has to be fully grasped and then taught. See, People um, are always looking at the the power class, the the elitists, the globalists, whatever you want to call them. I call them the dark occult. The people who are really the true social engineers of our society are hidden away from our sight. They are occulted from our view, and they you know work their uh, their sorcery from the, uh, a place of continuing to hide their machinations and what they are doing and, you know, letting the media tell people all of the worldviews that they want them to take on. And the people still have not really truly identified what needs to change in this situation. They think, well, we're going to have to go and vote for a new political class, or maybe we need to reform the financial system, or maybe we need to find uh, better methods of sustainability ecologically and socially, et cetera. Or maybe we need a new technology that's going to make life a lot easier, and that'll solve the problem. And you know, I, I, I uh, you know, it pains me to say unfortunately, that most people, not all, but most people, the overwhelming majority of people, um, really don't understand what the true nature of the problem is or how to fix it. And the true nature of the problem is that humanity is not behaving in a moral capacity. And the reason they're not behaving in a moral capacity is because they don't really truly truly and definitively know the difference between right behavior 
and wrong behavior. My gauge for the freedom movement in general, and I attend, I'm, I'm actually quite a social being, believe it or not. Some people would think, oh, Mark's very standoffish and like, oh, he doesn't, you know, go and socialize with people. I try to put myself in a social situation almost whenever the opportunity presents itself, whenever I can and my schedule permits it, because I want to gauge the consciousness of the people, especially in this movement, in yeah. this general thing that we call the freedom movement. And here's my barometer, because you use that that word. And th this is my barometric gauge, I guess you could say, for where we're at as a people. I attend just about every type of freedom-oriented event. Any event where people say, we recognize things are heading in the wrong direction. We recognize growing tyranny. We want to be free. We want government out of our lives, et cetera, so forth. I attend all of those things in my local area whenever I can. And I count the number of times that I hear the word morality spoken at any of those events. And with, that, with very, very, very few exceptions, it's almost always zero times. And that is the underlying problem is that people have not yet made the recognition that there's a law in effect that governs human freedom or human enslavement, depending on behavior of humanity in the aggregate. And that is, as morality increases, freedom increases. And as morality declines and people behave in immoral ways, freedom declines and is destroyed and we get more tyranny and enslavement. This is what natural law is and does. It's how it operates in our lives. It is a, uh, a force within nature that provides the consequences of an entire civilization's behaviors in the aggregate sense, not just, you know, one-on-one -on -one and not immediate. Right. It's a long term thing that acts over an entire population of beings. So in, in our uh, in our scenario, it's the people of Earth are receiving the consequence of their aggregate behavioral quality over long periods of time in human history. And we, ha unfortunately, as a people, have not yet recognized that mechanism of nature at work. And that's why I say we're not really making true inroads to real freedom. And, in, and it's not really going to change until that dynamic itself changes. For sure, man. We actually, the Free Thought Project used to actually sell shirts that said uh, morality does not equal legality or vice versa. You know, legality does not equal morality. I mean, that's a that's a huge issue and people just don't understand it it's they have been indoctrinated by the occult you know whichever system they've ascribed to be it religion or political or right uh military or whatever <clears throat> and um they yeah they've been taught that that morality is legality and that laws that govern society are the laws that should govern their lives and regardless if they cause harm or or anything like that right and it's i guess it's so difficult to wake people up to that fact. And we actually spoke with Larkin Rose on the podcast um, a few weeks back who, um, who has, I love, I love Larkin's work. He's great. Yeah. He's, he's, he's come to the same conclusion essentially. Right. And you, and just like you said, even at these freedom movements, very few people are talking about uh, 
about about these ideas and and it's because like there's this mental block and he's come up with this course on on helping to change people's minds yes and uh which is brilliant in my view and um but yeah so, you're, you're referring to candles in the dark yeah, yes candles yeah. in the yes. dark exactly yeah yeah excellent yeah. i'm not trying to plug plug larkin here or anything like oh, that but, uh, no understood I mean, please do yeah, i mean I, th I, th I think uh, that we've, yes we've talked about you know and, absolutely Right. And so like, I, I wanted to get your opinion on that and I, which I, I, I can see that it's positive, but um, you know, you, you speak about like the importance of like the people coming to these uh, conclusions to, in, to in, impose societal change or, or help it. What, what do you think is like the most overlooked or, or even the most crucial element when it comes to like this mass collective consciousness awakening that needs to happen? Like what, what is holding it back? And do you think that programs like Larkin's could help push that forward? Great question. I definitely think that Candles in the Dark is uh, a, a very profound, um, you know, um, uh, uh, attempt at changing human consciousness for the better. I, it's it's a profound program mm -hmm. for doing that because it's uh, it's it's done in a Socratic method way where he's asking questions and getting responses back from the individuals, uh, you know, uh, from their perspective. And hopefully they're answering those questions honestly. Uh, and then it shows them where their own internal moral compass is without it being, you know, just uh, told to them that this is what it is. I sort of take the more, you know, brazenly direct approach of just saying where the consciousness is at and hopefully people are at least able to be honest enough with themselves to recognize the truth of the statements that i'm talking about when it comes to what they advocate you know for example um people always say that they want to keep their level of comfort they don't want to lose anything in this whole endeavor right they, they don't they're not open to making a sacrifice of the the quality of their life or their creature comforts and this is one of the things that is the main block as you 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 know talked about like what do i think is the main thing holding it back people think that they can get from point a to point b which point a being slavery and point b being freedom without any sacrifice having to be made in between and you know i'm talking about uh having to say no to something that you want as a reward for continuing to do immoral behaviors think about how many people on a daily basis wake up and do immoral things for a paycheck it's colossal it's overwhelming it's it, we we if we really conceived of it in its fullness it would it would like you know blow our minds up you know it, it, we we would be it, it would be difficult for us to even take in the level of uh complicity with evil that our species has we have a very hard time saying no to anything that enhances our comfort in the immediate sense and if we have to sacrifice that for long-term success see we're, we're not good we've been conditioned as a species to not be good at uh delaying gratification it's a big huge part of why people continue to support evil and condone evil that is being done uh by other people even and you know we we want the the the, the 
the social engineers and and you know people in high positions of power and influence and money dangle that carrot out on the stick you know like dangling it before the donkey that you want to move the cart forward and we as a people humanity cannot say no we have to say the word of all power which is no you have to refuse to do evil behavior no matter what resources are offered to you no matter what creature comforts are offered to you no matter what advanced positions in society and this whole societal uh, you know hierarchy are offered to you and that's what humanity fails miserably at and what what has to be shown to them is that you will never truly succeed and be prosperous long term if you continue to be complicit with these systems i tell people and they have a hard time grasping this it's 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 one of the things that i think in my work i get the most resistance for saying nothing new needs to be done or created the solution to the problem that humanity faces is not what i refer to as a positive solution it is in fact a negative solution the solution that we need to implement is a negative solution let me explain what i mean by that a positive solution is like well if you spilled something on the floor as i did yesterday and in, 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 during an interview i spilled a whole whole cup of liquid on the floor <laughs> the positive solution is i go and get a roll of paper towels and i clean my floor i i mop, mop up the spill i make sure it's dry so i don't slip uh, and or so the flooring doesn't get damaged permanently and you know i clean it up that's a positive solution it's something ne requires action to do in the affirmative or positive sense a negative solution means you stop doing something that you are currently doing and the problem dissipates if you light a fire that is uncontrolled in your house that you don't really have under control you know the answer is really not to do that stop doing that behavior and you won't have smoke inhalation or fire damage to your house or smoke damage inside your house it's don't do the thing that you're currently doing anymore and the problem goes away so it's like we want people to tell us humanity wants people to to tell them do this step this is step number one you do this step number two you do that and it's like some procedural document to follow right when the answer really is you are currently doing things that are immoral you are currently condoning and supporting things that are immoral you are currently basically watching the whole world do these immoral things and not saying anything not trying to change people's minds not trying to stop that immoral behavior what do you expect is going to occur that it's going to magically just get better you know people have to make the issue one of moral versus immoral behavior and constantly hammer on that see the problem is we wouldn't have a population of immoral beings doing immoral behaviors if we had people during the early developmental and formative years of a human being's life in their early childhood instilling true objective morality within them 
And that's a parent's job. That's an educator's job. That's real clergy's job. If you even want to look at it from a religion, religious perspective, I personally don't really see that as the solution. I see it as one of conscious parenting, teaching objective morality, true objective morality to the young so that they don't grow up to become adults that say yes to evil and just do immoral behaviors for a paycheck. If you just look at how many people do immoral things every single day for a paycheck and they will not say no to it because they look at that as I'm in the immediate sense decreasing my creature comfort and they don't understand that all they're doing is bringing on negative karmic consequence through natural law to not just their lives, but the whole human society in the aggregate. They are a contributor to that huge dumpster fire that we're witnessing uh, of the human condition. So the real answer is people have to morally educate the young and everybody for that matter, the young, you know, the middle-aged, the old, everyone, we have to be moral educators of our fellow men and women. And we have to teach them that you have to be willing to sacrifice something in your life to say no to the creature comforts that are offered you by the evil system that is currently in control of our world. And you have to walk away from it. That is the negative solution. It doesn't require invention of new technology, new food growing techniques, new monetary systems and cryptocurrencies. Although, hey, wonderful. All these things are great. Right? I want to see new technologies. I want to see you know, uh, enhancements to our way of life in every conceivable way. But those are not the solution in and of itself. The solution is moral education. And what, you know, I maybe, you know, uh, in the immediate sense like to get into is the next question most people will ask is what is real morality? Like <laughs> if there is a difference between right and wrong behavior, what is it? Why are people missing the real differences between right and wrong behavior? Why have they not gotten that? And why are they not following that? Yep, I was actually thinking that question in my head whenever you said that. That's uh, right. That's what most people will go to next. They'll ask the question, well, if you're advocating for what you call objective morality, then what is that? What is that state of being? What is that way of being in the world and behaving in the world? And it's very simple. We have to first understand what a human right is. Now, uh, again, I'm a big fan of social experimentation. I'm a big fan of gauging consciousness. I've been doing this since I really started my work uh, back in around 2007. So I've been doing this for about 16 years. And one of the biggest gauges and, uh, again, barometers of where human consciousness is at for me has been performing small scale social experiments. I've never like ramped it up into 10,000 people, 100,000 people, but I've done such small scale um, experiments regarding uh, what people's responses to questions about morality will, will be that it doesn't matter what time we did it in. It doesn't matter what geographic region we did it in. It doesn't matter what the demographics of the people were. Um, it doesn't matter even really their their ages, their their sex, their uh, uh, background, or you know their walk of life. Um, we get the same results repeatedly. And unfortunately, it has not changed. If anything, it's changed slightly for the worse instead of for the better. And the first thing 
that people have to ask other people is, do you know the definition of what a human right actually is? Can you define a right? And we ask this question in social experiments, and we have never gotten a correct response. In all of the years that we've done this, me and helpers uh, have performed these experiments on the street. We, no matter where we went, it doesn't matter what city we did it in, what, what region of the country, we have never gotten a correct response to what is a human right. Not one single individual ever got the answer correct. Think, and there is a correct answer. There absolutely is a correct answer to please define a human right. Um, it can be done, and I'm going to do it in a moment, but I just want you to consider, think about the ramifications of that social experiment over time. Not one human being that we ever polled can answer correctly what a human right is. How does anyone ever possibly expect to be able to keep their rights if they cannot even define what it is correctly? They don't even know what a right is. They cannot put it into words. They cannot formulate the idea of what a human right actually is. And here's what a human right actually is. And this is the correct definition. A right is an action that does not initiate harm against another sentient being. That's the answer to what a human right is. And again, you'll notice it's a negative definition. It's what you do not do that makes something a right. You do not initiate harm. That is the essential aspect of the non-aggression principle. You do not do a behavior that initiates harm toward another sentient living being. It's very simple. This is something that a child can grasp, and yet humanity keeps doing it every single solitary day. More people go out and do harm to others than don't on a daily basis by the very nature of the jobs that they continue to do for a paycheck and that they will not quit. How many people all over the world are police, all over the world are military, all over the world are involved in the fraudulent banking system, all over the world are involved in the fraudulent media? I mean, picture how many people wake up on a daily basis, go to work, lie, cheat, steal, and do violence to people for a paycheck. It's more people than don't. See, it's not, this isn't, see, we have to stop looking at this whole dynamic. It's, it's a little tiny elite at the top that controls everything and pulls the strings. All of their power comes from the base of the pyramid of the ignorance and apathy and cowardice and laziness and the, the unwillingness to change by the average everyday person that continues to do these people's biddings who are a tiny few at the top of this pyramid of mind control. You know, that that is what has to change. Those people need to say no, walk away and the pyramid of power collapses, uh, you know, uh, on its own. It's not a positive solution. People don't want to hear that. They, they tell me well, during the whole course of my career, I've heard you don't offer any solutions, Mark. I've told people what the solution is from the first day that I started doing this 16 years ago. And the solution is always the same and is never going to change. People have to say no, regardless of what creature comfort they have to give up. You may need to quit your job. You may need to not have any money. You may need to be poor for a time. You may need to, your, your family might need to be hungry for a time. So no one wants to hear that as the solution. 
They want to hear, go out and vote for this person, go out and support this new technology that's going to be invented, you know, uh, tithe some of your, your savings to whatever religious cause you believe in. None of the, these things is the answer. The answer is you yourself have to stop doing a job that supports, condones, or directly does evil in the world, period. So going back to rights, the first thing in order to understand a right is to understand which behaviors are not rights because they do initiate harm, right? So this is the actual difference objectively in nature between right behavior and wrong behavior that almost all of humanity does not know. This is the secret of secrets. This is the thing that all of the occult secret societies over time are trying to prevent people from understanding. Because once people understand it in earnest, it's game over. It's game over for the, the controllers of our world. The, the problem is most people have been dissuaded from even looking at these truths. They've been told, oh, no, there's no such thing as objective morality. It's all a matter of subjective opinion. And everybody's morality is different. Incorrect. It is not a matter of subjective opinion. The behavior that is done toward another being exists in the natural world. It exists in the 3D physical domain. I don't think I've ever had one person disagree with that. Every time I tell people, when you do a behavior toward another being, when anybody does any behavior toward another being, regardless of what that behavior is, does it exist in the, in the physical world? Does it exist right here on the earth plane? Or is it, is, it, is it often some abstract ethereal realm somewhere in another dimension? Every person says, yes, the behavior takes place in the physical world. Of course it does, right? Well, then do the characteristics of the behavior then also exist inherently in the world of nature, in the physical domain? Of course they do. And that is the behavior is either harmful or non-harmful once it is initiated toward another being. That's it. It's, it's so simple. This is kindergarten <laughs> stuff. You know, this is not the advanced AP class, right? This is kindergarten. This, this is remedial learning when it comes to morality, right? And we're still not getting it as a species. So we have to know which behaviors do cause harm and then don't do those things. It's, it's, it's so simple. It's almost ridiculous right? Just identify the things that do initiate harm and then don't do those things. And the problem clears up on its own magically. It's like, it's like stopping adding a poison into the body, right? The answer for not to die by poisoning is don't add the poison into the body in the first place. That's the best way not to die by poisoning, right? Well, this is all we've been doing is it taking in poison and expecting somehow to, to be healthy and prosperous. So, the, the seven ways that we can initiate harm, the transgressions against natural law are murder, assault, rape, theft, trespass, coercion, and deception. Those are the ways that we diminish and harm another being when we initiate behaviors like that toward any other sentient being. Every one of those behaviors is a form of theft in its own right. So if you analyze each behavior that I just mentioned, and these are what I, in my work, call the true seven deadly sins, not the vices that are taught as the sins by the, the, the Roman Catholic Church in the modern day, right? Pride, gluttony, sloth, lust, anger, jealousy, greed. These are what are taught as sins in religion, in certain religious uh, schools of thought. Those are vices. Those are things that are done internally. And I'm not saying we should dwell in those modalities of consciousness because they can degrade the individual. 
right? But they're not behaviors that are done to someone else. If I, I always give the example, if I eat too much, I'm gluttonous. Or even if I have desirous thoughts of somebody else, what they have, that's an internal process, right? That's done to me, or it's an internal process of the mind that I have not yet acted upon. If I act upon something and then do harm to somebody else or their things, that's initiation of violence toward another sentient being. That's harmful behavior that's been initiated on my part. I don't have the right to do that. But do I have the right to uh, overindulge in something? You know, well, it's my body. My body is my property. Of course I do. That doesn't mean it's a good thing for me, right? But it's a vice. It's not a crime. Crimes have to be initiated externally toward another being. So all of them are theft, murder, the theft of life without right, assault, the theft of well-being without right, rape, the, the taking and theft of free will sexual association. Theft is the stealing of physical property, the fruits of another's labor. Um, you know, trespass, you're, you're stealing the security of someone else in their own living domain. Um, coercion. You're stealing someone else's free will to make their own decisions and act of their own free will so long as they're not initiating harm toward other people, uh, other beings. And, uh, you know, deception, you're taking someone else's ability to engage in informed decision making by willfully lying to them and presenting blatant uh, wrong information to them of your own deliberate will. Uh, all of these things directly harm another being and they are all forms of theft so if you really want to boil natural law down to one thing to, to one prohibitive statement one negative statement of what not to do it's don't steal all wrongdoings are a form of theft and the the law of morality is do not steal. Do not take from others that which does not belong to you to take. That's it. We have to understand what we truly own and what we don't own. And yes, there is true property. I mean, I'm sitting here at my computer. This is my computer. I use it. I operate it. I'm responsible for its maintenance. I acquired it, you know, lawfully without initiating harm to another person. Uh, the chair I'm sitting in is my property. I'm using it. It's, it's providing a necessary function. And I acquired it uh, without initiating harm to another being. I'm responsible for its upkeep and maintenance. That's what real property is. Just like the body. The body is the same thing. I'm using, my consciousness is using it. I'm responsible for its upkeep and maintenance. You know, that that's it. Um, you know, we have to understand what we truly own and what we don't. I don't own somebody else's rights. Somebody else's rights aren't for me to diminish and take away. I don't own somebody else's body. I can't prohibit what they want to put into it. You know, uh, I don't own somebody else's, uh, you know, free will. So I, I can't coerce them or try to put them under duress, you know, not without negative karmic consequence under natural law. And this is what we're really witnessing. Humanity has been so ignorant of what the real laws of morality are, has been so ignorant of what the real objective difference in nature between right behavior and wrong behavior actually is. And it has ignored that for so long that we have completely and utterly sullied the house that we have to live in. We have thrown debris and detritus and trash all over the place through our behavior. And now we've made that bed and we have to lie down in it. We have to live in that situation. And until we understand these guiding principles of morality and understand it from an, a, an objective point of view and perspective, 
do not expect anything to change. It, the change only happens from the mental level, the level of causality. That's why we have to get to the underlying cause that is what is wrong in human behavior. And then below that, the underlying cause is what is wrong in human thought. Because human thought is what ultimately drives human behavior. If your thoughts are wrong, if you have come to the incorrect conclusions regarding behavior and its moral quality, then your actions are also going to be wrong. See, I, I try to explain to people, being right, being correct is truly what matters. People go, oh, you just want to be right. Of course I do. I want to be correct. I want to be right because if you're correct, if you have the truth right. in hand regarding moral quality of behavior versus immoral behavior, you are going to behave in a moral capacity. Your behavior is going to be operating within the boundaries of what is right. Right meaning correct leads to right meaning moral. When you're correct in your thoughts, you are right. And when you're correct in your behaviors, you're behaving morally right. There is, there's a direct one-to-one -one correspondence of getting the correct answer to behaving correctly in the world. That's why the people who are behaving incorrectly in the world, immorally, wrongly, don't have the answer correct in mind. See, that, that's why I try to explain to people that conscience is the knowledge of the objective difference between right and wrong behavior. So if you break words down, you'll see their etymological meaning, conscience, conscience. The, the prefix con in Latin, it's the conscience is etymologically derived from Latin. The prefix con in Latin means together or with. And then the word science, an, an English word that's inside the word conscience, comes from the Latin verb sciere. Sciere means to know or to understand. So you put that together with the prefix con and it means to know together. Everybody knows together. It's common sense. Conscience is common sense knowledge. It's not behavior. It's not emotion. You know, it's not thought. Conscience is knowledge. It means you know from a common sense perspective what the difference between right behavior and wrong behavior actually is. The exercise of conscience is action. That is what we do based upon what we know to be right or wrong. And the problem is most people don't have conscience. They don't have internally within themselves definitively, definitively the objective knowledge of the difference between right behavior and wrong behavior. Unfortunately, they don't have common sense. Sure. Oh, man. So many excellent points there, Mark. And um, I, I agree. You know, it, it feels like... Uh, we've been labeled as people that don't provide solutions as well. We get that type of response and that feedback constantly. And it doesn't matter how many episodes, you know, at the end of our mm -hmm. podcast, we end talking about solutions. It doesn't matter that we have a tab at the top of our website, all about solutions. I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is people just want that one size fits all, that comfortable, easy solution yep. that's going to be provided to them by some type of expert or authority or the mainstream yep. media of some sort. And, Ultimately, what this comes down to is it, these are shortcuts, right? Like if you're not going to put in the work or, or make sacrifices, then what you're going to do is participate with that system. And unfortunately, they're going to have consequences. And those consequences oftentimes 
are put onto our our children or the environment or the economy. Yep. And this is, as you're saying, you know, it, it balloons out. It's an umbrella effect. And you know, without proper solutions, without the integrity that is needed to understand these solutions. And I know you've, you you were saying that if we do understand, then we we can and move forward and have some type of progress. But I would also say like there, there needs to be a coupling with integrity as well, because even having that understanding right. isn't quite enough. As you've always said, it's not just the knowledge that's important. It's also placing that into action somehow. So um, that's right. I feel like uh, you also mentioned that the parenting and that's another you know huge aspect of this. That's something that I pr- particularly focus on with my work. And oddly enough, Mark, that's one of the topics that people seem the most apprehensive about. And unfortunately, even people who call themselves libertarians uh, still don't adhere to the non-aggression principle when it comes to parenting, right? Like they'll completely turn a blind eye to that principle when they're raising their own children. But as far as I'm concerned, yeah, the the children are the future. These are the people that we have to, uh, you know, implant with these types of ideas, with the principles and foundations so that they can have this opportunity to not only understand them, but to act with integrity, to align, you know, with truth and and hopefully bring a little bit more of a sane world about. But with that said, I know we could get knee deep here in philosophy and theory, and I certainly enjoy that. I'm not saying, you know, we don't have to stray away from it too much, but I also want to talk about some, you know, subjects maybe in the more of like the esoteric realm and i know you're someone who's studied you know secret societies clandestine organizations and the cult of course mm-hmm. uh, and forgive me if you've addressed this subject in the past because i might have missed it but like what do you make of the world economic forum they seem like they're one of the most publicized supervillain groups in the public eye i often mm-hmm. see them trending on twitter i, I see their name all over social media and, and mainstream media even uh, Klaus Schwab is like the super villain that we all love to hate, you know? So like, um, I've asked this question to guests in the past because I'm interested in hearing different perspectives, but like, do you really suspect that the world economic forum is a threat or is it more of a distraction of like a front group to more sinister organizations? I would call it an occult front group. They are definitely uh, dark occultists, many of them. Uh, certainly the ones at the higher levels of that organization are uh, overtly working with other occult groups and think tanks to reduce human population, to cull the population, to uh, um, exercise eugenics, which is one of the main occult tenets uh, in uh, dark occultism. And uh, I would not say that they are uh, one of the highest level groups uh, involved. Um, to go to some of the highest levels of the true social engineers in our society, you would be going into places where um, it's very, very, very deeply connected to religion, to organized religion. Um, I would like look at groups like, um, you know, the papacy, the Vatican, um, you know, other religious institutions, uh, leadership, uh, like in the Islamic world, in Judaism, etc., cetera, uh, as having a lot more influence when it comes to real occult worldly power than even financial groups. See, like people think that it's all politicians and bankers that are running things. And I've been trying to explain to people that it's a, a priest class it's a religious priest class that is actually running the world. 
So if you look at some of the think tanks that really deal with eugenics, you're talking about the Club of Rome, again, directly connected with higher level religious orders. And these people are the ones who are ultimately calling the shots towards something like the World Economic Forum. Uh, if, if you really study the occult, if you study what dark occultism, dark Luciferianism, Satanism, what it really entails and what it really is, totally different from Hollywoodized definitions of what Satanism is and what occultism is, and you really look at the, the real agendas behind things, these are simple tentacles to the octopus. It's not the head of the octopus. The head of the octopus is going to be directing human thought. It's not going to be just about money, not just about uh, implementing certain financial programs or, or um, you know, uh, yeah. uh, agendas like that. Although the World Economic Forum definitely does deal with the idea of we're going to have to help reduce the population we're, we're going to have to um you know implement a technocracy these are the the methods of the true elitists it's it's an arm getting something done it's not the brain behind it okay that's what people have to understand about these front groups the real groups are going to be much more well concealed behind the scenes uh that are that are doing this and they they don't even really have a name you know, you people look at the Bilderberg Group, which is a, another big power broker think tank, and it didn't really have a name. It's named after the first hotel where they met. So you know that if they don't put an actual label on their own institution, you're you're getting up higher toward, you know, who's really directing the shots and, and calling the shots at the highest levels of the uh, occult hierarchy. Great point. And, you know, when I was involved in the occult, uh, we didn't get into that in this interview, but people who know my background know that I was directly involved with these occultists uh, in my youth. And um, they had no name for themselves. It wasn't like you went and they said, this is chapter 306 of the Church of Satan. Like, it wasn't like that. It was like, we don't call ourselves anything. Right. We just do what we do. We're just working toward what we're working toward. And there is no name. It's just, this is this person's name, this person's name. This is what they do. This is what they do. But the group had no name. And uh, the only thing I ever heard the higher level occultists refer to um, their interconnection. And, you know, if you want to call it a worldwide syndicate, they called it the old religion in private. The old religion was the only term they ever called it amongst their, I ever heard them call it amongst their old own ranks. And that's not a name either. That's just saying this is a very ancient religion. And that's exactly what it is. I, I refer to Satanism. What you have to really see the, the satanic hierarchical network that operates across the entire world as is it, it's an ancient religion that believes that true knowledge of how the human mind works and true knowledge of how the laws of nature work should be result should be reserved to a hidden priest class that controls everybody else through that knowledge that because they have such a high level understanding of those things which is what the occult is it's the understanding of the, the psyche and how it works how it can be worked into a certain condition and manipulated if you know enough about it and how the laws of nature function in 
the, the, the physical world. And natural law is even a part of that because, again, it brings to us the consequences in the physical world that we must live in according to the behaviors that we've chosen through our collective, our aggregate free will. As individuals, we make choices and then it, it, it goes out over the aggregate of all society and we get the result. Uh, they know how this works. They understand this principle, and that's what they're really ultimately trying to keep hidden. And they believe that they should be because they're more intelligent than other people. They're more driven than other people. They understand more about how whole systems function than everybody else, that they should be the ones that have that knowledge and they should be the gods of society. And then everybody else should be operating underneath them as their servants, as their, their, uh, you know, subjects and and a slave class essentially if you really look at the nazi third reich this is what the nazis were actually trying to implement from a political perspective uh it was you know the mask of this priest class uh you know wearing the mask of a political party and they were very open about that agenda they literally called it their new world order. And it was going to be headed in Vivelsburg, and they were going to be the gods of the society, and they were going to have whole populations be their work mules. They literally called it, we, we will make them our work mules. We'll work them to death to provide anything that we want because we shouldn't sully our hands. Our, our blood is beyond them. And this is the whole idea of what royalty ever was in the world. I mean, this is what kings and queens in the ancient world did. They thought our blood makes us better than everybody else. We're of a higher lineage than other people. We're genetically superior to them. Our minds are superior to them. Our will is superior to them because we have the will to put them under our thumb and rule them like, you know, a beast of burden. And, uh, you know, that makes us better and gives us the right to do this to them. And they then hired their henchmen and their armies and paid them with whatever riches they had at their disposal to go out and do their dirty work for them. And the order followers did it then. And the order followers called the police and military do it now. Nothing has changed except the name, right? You had royalty of the old world. Well, was that ever moral? Was that ever a moral situation? Was that ever a right? Does one being have the right to rule over millions of other people as their subjects? No. We don't. That would, no, no individual has that right. No individual can ever acquire that right. It can never be bestowed upon anybody. It's not a right in nature, you know, for one person to command everybody else and tell them how they must live. You know, that's the old world order. Uh, the old world order is authority vested in one person. Everybody believing that one person has authority over everybody else. I mean, imagine that, right? And there's still places in the world where that's going on today. But imagine that that was ever accepted as perfectly fine and okay, because that's what people were brainwashed with. Eventually, people really stopped believing in that. They were like, no, th this is a really raw deal. Like, wh why would anybody have the right to rule over everybody else? One person, authority is all vested in them because of their lineage of their bloodline, you know, and they, it lost its mental power over people over thousands of years. And then they had to bring in the new world order. Well, now it's politics, it's government. It's an oligarchical few people calling themselves government. They're somehow imbued with magical rights that everybody else doesn't have because they're called government. And now it's just authority vested in a few people societally, you know, by proportion instead of in one.
the king, the queen, etc. You know, now it's a few. So you have an oligarchical group of rulers that make the laws for everybody else, and then everybody has to live under them or or suffer wrath of the order followers. I mean, what has changed? Nothing. It's the same hierarchical structure of power under a few people instead of one person. All the changes, you're calling it government, you're euphemizing it, and it's a few people instead of one people. I mean, and we still believe somehow this is morally justifiable. I, I just, I find it difficult to believe that anybody can be that stupid in the modern world. And yet they are. Oh, they're beyond that. You know, they believe in this with religious fervor, with religious fervor. How people can't see government is just a religion. It's got its temples, like the Capitol. It has its rituals, like what Congress does to enact laws. You know, it's it, it has all of the trappings of a religion. It has people gathering at, at political rallies to support their priest in this religion, you know, and people still can't see that they're religious people. I tell people I want all religion destroyed. All religion needs to be eradicated from the face of this planet if we're ever going to be free. You know, the, the whole Dennis Diderot uh, quote that humanity will never be free until the last king is strangled with the or the last priest is strangled with the entrails of the last king. It's one of the most beautiful mm -hmm. quotes of all time, because these are the institutions that have to be completely eradicated from the face of the earth if we're ever going to be free. And all the religious people out there get as offended as you want. You think you're see, I, I tell, tell this to people all the time. You actually believe your religion remained pure and good and wasn't infiltrated by <laughs> the same people that infiltrated every other institution. These are the people that will tell you with a straight face, right to your face, one adult to another, allegedly, uh, that, yeah, the banking institutions are all manipulated and infiltrated. The political institutions are all infiltrated and manipulated. Um, all, all of other societal institutions like education, entertainment, um, you know, uh, law, law enforcement, military, they're all infiltrated, but not my religion. My religion is pure. My religion is unadulterated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure it is. Like cognitive dissonance. <laughs> these occultists created your religions. They made them for you to believe in. You think the, the laws of Judaism are the laws of God? You think the laws of Islam are the laws of the creator of the universe? You think the laws of the church are the laws of the creator? Please. The, the, the true creator of the universe, if it were a personal force, would look at those things with nothing but contempt and disdain because of what's been done in its name. You know, it would be like, oh, that needs to go. And believe me, it does. You know, all religion means, it doesn't, and again, government is a religion. The belief in authority is a religion. The love of money is a religion. All of these things hold us back. That's what religion means. The word religion comes from the Latin religare, which means to hold back by tying or binding. Think about that. That's a sorcery spell, right? A binding is what a magician, a dark magician does upon someone else in, in sorcery. They bind them right? So this is what religion is. Religion is a binding away from the truth. It's tying one back to a, to a yoke and holding them there with, with by tying them up so that their mind cannot perceive the truth and then proceed to where they say they want to go to a condition of true freedom, you know? And again, the solution is 
negative. It's stop believing in crap that isn't true. Stop believing in authority. Stop worshiping money. Stop worshiping creature comfort. That's a religion. Anything that holds you back from where you say you want to go is a religion. Not enough discipline in one's life, you know, yeah. just not not being able to really focus in and, and accomplish a task. That's a religion. It's holding you back from where you need to go, from what you need to accomplish. What do you think? Uh, government and authority isn't holding us back from true freedom. The whole idea of it is coercion. The whole idea of it is taking away people's free will. The whole idea of it is duress, the Im implicated threat of violence if one does not comply. Again, it was never moral in the old world order of kingship and royalty, and it can never be made moral in the new world order where government is the god. Well, Mark, clearly you're just an extremist and your dangerous <laughs> misinformation is a threat to our democracy. I'm so. a moral extremist, yes. I believe that we <laughs> must adhere to the laws of right and wrong under the creator of the universe, not under man's law. Imagine what an extremist I am, that I believe that we shouldn't conduct violence upon other people and steal their free will and coerce them and hold them under duress and essentially enslave them. I'm an extremist of the abolitionist who says people are not property and they should not be kept under duress and enslavement what a horrible human being yeah and it's it's so crazy that it's so overt and these people are you know their their psychopathy is just on display and you can watch it i mean it just unfold uh i'm actually i, I wrote an article it's like every time a mass shooting comes up um you know the the left and the right all claim that it's guns or it's mental illness or right. it's video games or whatever you know and uh, the article I wrote pondered it was, you know, completely different than anybody else was proposing. It's like that the it's the implications of society accepting violence on a large scale. You know, and if you look at the state and the society built around it, it's not that we just accept this overt psychopathy, you know, but we build shrines to mass murderers. You know, we name libraries after them. We right. name streets after them, airports. Sure. We put them on our fucking money. It's yep. just like a wholesale worship of mass murder. And the fact Good that point. there's not more mass shootings is surprising to me, you know, based on this crazy society like that. Right. And it's just uh, an underlying you know, symptom of what people already believe is perfectly totally, acceptable. Totally. Yeah. 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 And you, you mentioned this, uh, this upside down pyramid earlier where, you know, the, the, the elite, like a cult, uh, basically feeds off of the surf class at the top and, mm -hmm. You know, that's what I wanted to ask you, like they, this, these like top level occultists, right, who know and have to know, right, the consequences of their symbolism, their actions, their propaganda, mm -hmm. they're creating this world that we're living in that seems to be degrading, you know, at a rapid rate on purpose. You know, do they not realize that the chaos that they're creating that could potentially wipe humanity out as we know it, you know, and make it will make it much fucking harder for them to have a normal life. And of course they do. That's why they're trying to micromanage it from a technocratic level. They believe the technology will allow them to manage that situation of chaos and call the population down to a manageable level. And they want to be gods. They want to reign in a hell world. They want to reign in a totally hellish prison society rather then be a servant of the creator you know if you want to word it like that serve in heaven right mm -hmm. that's their mentality their mentality is i will not live under natural law because that's a binding unto me and i want to be able to do whatever i want without impunity unchallenged and see when people say well they're doing this 
they're doing that. No, they're not doing anything. Uh, I doubt that Klaus Schwab is doing coercive and murderous things to somebody against their free will, because I think if you blew on him gently, he would disperse <laughs> like dandelion spores. Uh, you know, George Soros is not fighting anybody. You know, if I, if I bumped him with my elbow, he'd explode like a, a, a balloon full of powder that was popped. Okay. Like literally, this is how weak these losers are. They are weakling losers. And they know this. They detest their internalized weakness. They know that they don't have an ounce of true strength and true spirit and true gumption in their entire souls, in their entire makeup. So that resentment turns toward the desire to control others. And they know that what they are doing is morally wrong, but they're not really the ones doing it right? They're just speaking words and encouraging other people to do all this evil and saying, if you do this, because this is my agenda and this is my vision for the future, we'll pay you handsomely. And other people won't say no to these losers. Think about how much bigger of a loser that makes that other person. You're listening to one of the biggest losers on earth, and you're doing what they're telling you to do just because they're throwing some change, chump change for them at you. This is what I'm trying to explain to people. That's what has to be said no to. How many people are willing to say no when they're offered an extreme amount of money and comfort? See, that's what the real constitution of a moral human being is. They can't be corrupted by anything that is offered to them. It would not matter to me what you offer me in worldly resources. I'm not cooperating with your agenda. Kill me if you have to, but I'm not doing your bidding. The end. That's what a real man says. That's what a real woman would say. The, these, the people doing their bidding, their order followers, and all the people who just say, yeah, I just want the, the benefit that comes with going along to get along. You know, I'm going along with your commands and your agendas to get back something that I want in my life. Until that dynamic changes, nothing's going to change for the better. Until people know morality and live according to its principles without saying yes to evil, to accept whatever reward it's telling you it's going to give you for doing what it wants you to do. Do not expect the situation to change. People have to become so moral in their principles that it does not matter what worldly things are offered to them. They have to be so strong in their convictions and principles that they say no. And how many people can you honestly say percentage-wise are at that level of internal fortitude? Be honest. How many people would say no to evil if offered hundreds of millions of dollars to do something for these people? Almost nobody. It would be less than one one thousandth of one percent of all beings on this planet that would say no to that kind of temporal worldly power. This is the whole allegory biblically that, you know, Jesus is taken up onto the mountain by Satan and shown the whole world and say, I'll give you all of this. And he has to say, no, that's not what the, the, the kingdom is, is not there. It's internal and you're not getting my soul. All of that is not worth the soul. And most people are not there spiritually. They're just not there. They, they have not worked their soul to that level of internal courage and fortitude. 
and it's it's sad. That's why I say I don't see a lot of hope for the human future. I think it still could be turned around if enough people truly speak this message out into the world. That's the real solution, is talking about morality, making morality the main topic of conversation at all times and places. That's the core. That is the, the root causal factor. And if we make that the discussion, maybe we have a fighting chance. If we don't make that the discussion uh, worldwide throughout humanity, we have no chance at all. Wonderful point. And I, I couldn't agree anymore. And uh, yeah, just say no to immorality, right? And it's kind of ironic that that slogan, just say no, was attached to the whole drug war. Right. <laughs> but um I know we're, we're close to the hour mark here. Mm -hmm. I did have one last question, which sure. it might take a little bit of time to dissect. So hopefully you don't mind. Oh, no, no problem. Mind. Oh, awesome. absolutely. Thank you so much, Mark. Really enjoying this conversation. Yeah, me too. I, I did want to talk about the culture wars a little bit. And I, I know that word specifically, you know, speaking of etymology, like mm -hmm. that word uh, you, you've mentioned in the past, cult. I mean, it's right there in it, right? So right. that's right. Uh, last week, I made a controversial post on the trans movement, and it was a meme uh, highlighting that many Americans sense that the trans movement is kind of inorganically being pushed sure. by an agenda, and, and many are just tired of feeling like it's being rammed down their throat, mm -hmm. right? And of course, today is is June 1st, you know, so it's it's the first day of Pride Month, which is a perfect example of how corporations and, and governments kind of toe the line for a seemingly small I would say somewhat irrelevant movement that's been more or less propped up as a focal point for the culture war. It's about a half and, of a percent of all human beings, if that, you know, right. Some say it was, it's less than that, but it's around, around that number. I've seen stats too, that it's recently within the past couple of years actually increased quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I would suggest a lot of that is because of this agenda kind of right. normalizing it. But uh, what, one of my followers who I usually tend to agree with, who's usually pretty rational and logical, um, said that it, it wasn't necessarily accurate to judge a group by their actions of certain individuals, right? And I guess the, the argument kind of hinged on the idea that it's not all trans people who are trying to push it down our throat or, or doing sure. drag shows for kids. Sure. And that's isn't indicative to the culture or the movement as a whole. Therefore, we shouldn't judge them as a group. So I guess my question is, like, how would you respond to that critique? And I, on the flip side, would you agree that uh, that this push to sexualize our children under the premise of inclusion and acceptance is a sign of a decaying society? I, I think if you bring us uh, if you bring children that are undeveloped mentally, emotionally, uh, certainly sexually into a sexual situation of any kind, you're, you're doing harm and it's an immoral behavior. Uh, that is something that children should be left out of. And that's yeah. my only con point of contention. I don't really care about uh, somebody's choice of gender identity, how they want to be looked at, how they want to be uh, considered or treated. Wonderful. D do whatever you want, as long as you're not harming anybody else. But if you bring children into it, it, it is harm because you're, you're taking an undeveloped mind and psyche into something that it is not really mentally and emotionally prepared to deal with, whether you believe that that is the case or not. Uh, th this is not something that you should force upon uh, people uh, who have not 
developed as an adult. Let, let them make those decisions once they do reach that state of emotional maturity and mental maturity as an adult human being. Um, you know, uh, so again, as far as uh, transgenderism, um, anybody's sexual identity, that's their own business. Um, and as long as it's consensual uh, and not forced upon anybody, I don't have any issues with anybody's sexuality. I don't really make that an issue. Um, you know, right. that's somebody's own individuated choice of what they are comfortable with. And again, how they want to uh, have their sexuality developed. Uh, but that's an adult decision. That's not a decision to force upon a child. Um, and I, I th think that that would be common sense. You know, let's let's make the root issue the the talking point, if you will, the thing that is really stuck to. It's are you doing something that should not be done with children because they're not of the level of emotional and mental maturity that they need to be at to even really consider those things and or then make decisions regarding them. Uh, and that's what parents are supposed to do. They're supposed to insulate and protect their children from those things until that developmental stage is reached and worked toward. Then they help them go into those decisions in an informed way. That's what any good parent would do. They certainly would not be bringing their child into a sexualized situation. And I, if we can't agree on that, yes, there. it's a very, very indicative, uh, it's very indicative of social moral decay. No doubt about it. Uh, so I definitely agree with that. Uh, regarding um, treating uh, an individual according to the group, I don't think that should be done because obviously not everybody would be on board with that agenda. However, you have to be very careful about what's done in the name of a group that you possibly identify with. So right. let's say Americans are waging immoral wars of aggression all over the world and building military bases all over the place to try to coerce other countries into doing what they want them to do. That's being done in the name of American people. And then some people would be like, well, you're American, Mark, that, that's on you. I'm not doing that. I'm trying to stop that. I'm actively involved in the work to try to stop things like that. However, is it done in the name of Americans? It is being done in the name of, of Americans. The problem is the in the aggregate of American society, we have said yes to that evil. We collectively in the aggregate sense as a people have not said no to that evil and made it stop. And I'm not saying that I should bear the brunt of the consequence as an individual for the, the decisions of the aggregate group. But unfortunately, we are living in a state of interconnectedness with other beings. We, we, no one is an island. And we have to realize that this is going to be an aggregate flow of consequence. And some people may perceive that as unfair, but guess what? It's very unfortunate. That's the way it is. As the aggregate morality goes, even the people who have lived a moral life are going to get swept up in the aggregate flow of consequence. Unfortunate, we are connected. We are ultimately one. This is the law of one, that if we don't act in the aggregate sense to stop it through common sense morality, all of us are going down on the ship. There is no safe haven. The whole society is going to suffer. And that is what the impetus for getting up off of our rear ends and actually teaching objective morality is. I don't want to be swept up in that negative consequence. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> because I'm actively involved in the real solution. 
But am I going to be swept up in those negative consequences if it goes continues to go in that direction? Yes, I am. And unfortunately, that's just the way that the laws of morality work. Perhaps in another state of consciousness, after my you know physical incarnation is gone and over in this life, there will be a uh, a less weighty and less uh, you know uh, bad situation in consciousness on that other side in that other d- dimension of existence and consciousness, perhaps. Uh, you know, not saying I definitively know what that is, but maybe I won't have as rough a, of a time there. But here in the physical plane, we are operating as one body. We are operating as one being, essentially. The, the body of humanity is going to go in the same direction. It's not going to be a bifurcation like you hear about in the, the New Age community, in the, the woo-woo land. It's like, oh, certain beings are going to ascend to another plane, and then other people are going to have to stay here. No, we're all going to experience the consequences in the 3D plane. And we all have to lie down in the bed that the aggregate of our species has made together. If we don't want that negative karmic consequence and debt, work to change it through moral education. That is the ultimate solution. Learning what objective morality is, learning what rights are, learning what rights are not, teaching objective morality and how natural law works to other people, propagating it so that it becomes common sense knowledge. And that is done by speaking out publicly. The more people that speak out regarding this, the closer we're going to get to the solution and toward, toward creating a society based in real freedom. If we don't do that, according to law of the universe, it is not possible to avoid the negative consequence, the negative harvest, if you will. Tyranny is going to be enacted. Slavery is going to be enacted. And who knows how long it will last uh, until it probably consumes itself. And we've seen that in the microcosm uh, innumerable amount of times throughout human history is that evil runs totally rampant and then eventually devours even itself. Uh, that's the cycle that we are on. And the only way to break it is through the understanding of objective morality and natural law and teaching that to others. So guys, I would highly suggest anybody who is maybe new to this information, or even if you're you're not, you just feel like you don't have a, a good grasp on what's really going on. I would highly suggest to listen to Mark's podcast starting from episode one and going from there at your own pace. Uh, it really lays the foundation, uh, the basis of so many important concepts such as consciousness, the human brain. Um, natural law, ego, which is another important one we didn't really touch on, uh, self-realization, um, methods of man- manipulation, and honestly, so much more. And once you start to understand the basis of these concepts, I feel like that's when you're truly able to wrap your head around the bigger picture. And I must say, I personally took so much from these podcasts over the years, uh, but particularly in my awakening process in the early 2010s. So thank you for that, Mark. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I would love for you to use this opportunity to plug your site or any social media, any upcoming projects or shows or anything you want to share. Sure. You could find me on just about any social media platform under the name Mark Passio. Uh, all my social media is actually listed on my main website, which is whatonearthishappening.com. I run a network of conscious content creators called One Great Work Network. That's onegreatworknetwork.com. 
uh, many, many, many uh, videos, articles, uh, all kinds of information available from, uh, we have about 70 content creators, a little over 70 now. Uh, so check that out. And uh, I also teach a technology seminar to help people to become media in their own right, to help people to disseminate truth and to help people to understand morality, natural law, the world of the occult and uh, how they manipulate things. Uh, and if you are a person who may have a lot of information in your own right, but you just don't know how to reach out to others through technology, I teach a seminar called How to Become the True Media. You could check out the curriculum and uh, you can enroll at howtobecomethetruemedia.com. I also have a uh, all-day presentation coming up in Exton, Pennsylvania, if you're local to the area or or even if you're not and you might want to travel to come out and uh, see me present live, I'm giving an all-day presentation on October 21st in Exton, Pennsylvania. And the title of the presentation is called Two Masks, Same Face, The Dark Occult Origins of Nazism and Communism, where I'm going to explain uh, the origins of these two political factions as uh, having a shared root in dark occultism and Satanism. Uh, so that's going to be an all-day presentation, October 21st. Uh, you can get tickets at whatonearthishappening.com. Yeah, Mark has the greatest presentations, guys. I, I remember the one, uh, The Matrix Decoded. I think that was um, maybe yeah. uh, that was a while back. And uh, also The Wizard of Oz. I, I know that one, I think, is is still up. So definitely check those out. And Mark, it, it was certainly an honor getting to converse with you today. I mean, your passion, your dedication, uh, your zeal to enlighten humanity bleeds through nearly every aspect of your work. And I, I think it's that intensity that so many people find inspiring because, yeah, well, as we discussed, you know, we're just on the edge of so many very serious global shifts that will have serious implications on our rights, our freedoms, our lifestyles. Yes. So we need that passion intensity to convey, you know, just how urgent the situation really is. So, uh, yeah, thank you for your decades of work, your commitment to the truth and continuing to exhaust yourself for the cause of freedom. Thank you so much. I mean, that's a wonderful testimonial. I really appreciate that. And gentlemen, I want to say thank you for an awesome interview. And I want to say thank you for your continued work to help enlighten humanity. Uh, the Free Thought Project has just been uh, uh, an absolute mainstay original. Uh, and uh, this uh, effort has been going on from the beginning of the whole modern freedom movement. And I really appreciate uh, your, your effort in uh, doing the great work. So thank you. Thanks, Mark. Got a huge smile on my face. Awesome, man. Thank you.